Well, excellent job on Chapter 10, Agency. It's now time to do our end of the chapter review. And if you have your information printed out, your manual, you can go through and make some notes and highlight as we review what we just covered in Chapter 10. Now remember, any time you enter into a real estate brokerage relationship, whether it is with a seller or with a buyer, you have now this agency that's been created, this word agency. And anytime you have an agency that's been created, you also have some certain obligations. We like to refer to these fiduciary obligations with an acronym called COLD, C-O-A-L-D. And we will just very quickly go through some of these um, um, words that are associated with the acronym. First of all, the C stands for care. You need to use do care as the agent for your principal when transacting any business for the principal. Example of, of care, as you can see in your notebook, might be gathering the, uh, the listing information. If you are um, uh, getting a listing, taking a listing, you want to make sure the room measurements are accurate. You want to make sure that the taxes are correct. You want to take good photos and uh, lots of information where you as the agent need to use due care for the seller. Now the same principle can apply when you are a buyer's agent because as a buyer's agent you have some you have these same fiduciary obligations. So what's a good example uh, as a buyer's agent? Well you probably need to look and make sure that if your buyer finds a property they would like to purchase that there are comparables in the area to make certain they're na they are not paying too much money for that property. So you have to use due care as a real estate agent anytime you enter into an agency relationship. You also have what is called obedience to your client. You have to be obedient to them. If they ask you to hold an open house on weekends, you need to be obedient and hold those, hold their property open. If they, the buyer wants you to run certain comps and look at certain properties or check certain information, you have to be obedient. Now remember, you only have to be obedient to legal, which makes sense, but legal demands. There have been some times on the exam where you might see a question where the seller uh, wants you to discriminate against someone or you know don't sell because to a person of this race and remember you do not have to be obedient to any kind of illegal or discriminatory activity so you have to use due care you have to be obedient and you also have to account for important valuable documents keys any information that your client may provide or give you, whether they be tax papers, whether they be surveys or deeds, you need to account for those and um, make sure you, you, uh, you keep those in your possession. You have to be loyal to your client. You will undoubtedly, as a real estate professional, have a situation where, let's just say you have a property listed 
and you know that the seller needs to sell the house quickly. They may be going through a divorce. They might be uh, facing a foreclosure, a possible foreclosure. They perhaps could have purchased another home and the financial burden is very traumatic on them and they share with you information that they want to sell that property quickly, get them an offer. You have to be loyal as their agent. You cannot give that information out to anyone else. So remember that. Loyalty is very important. And you have to be loyal to your client. Now that goes along with our next uh, word, which is disclosure. Sometimes you will come in to information that you may, it may be very tempting for you not to disclose to your client. Here's an example. You have an offer that comes in on one of your properties and it's within five or six thousand dollars of the list price. Now there's a buyer's agent involved who's representing a buyer and they bring you this offer and they say to you hey I know this offer is five thousand dollars less than the list price however my buyer said they'll pay the full price so don't lose this deal. Well, you, you take the contract over to your seller. The seller says, oh gosh, where do we sign? You know that this buyer's agent gave you information, which they shouldn't have given you because now they're not being loyal to their client, are they? They've given you information, uh, disclosed information to you, and they've breached their loyalty to their buyer as a buyer's agent, but they've told you they will pay the full price if they have to and you now present this offer to your seller they want to sign it and you're saying oh gosh if I mention anything about uh, making a counter offer for the full price this deal could fall apart well you can't do that as an agent you have fiduciary obligations and disclosure says you need to disclose any information that you know or should know it must be disclosed to the principal. So you, I want you to keep in mind and understand that when there is an agency relationship created, the broker or the agent is said to have what is called a fiduciary relationship to the principal. And when that occurs, you owe what is called COLD, it's an acronym, care, obedience, accounting, loyalty, disclosure. Keep that in mind. Now, uh, sometimes I've seen a question right here. The fiduciary puts the agent in a position of trust and obedience to the principal. So I think we understand that. We have a chart in your book that you can see where we talk about the agent, the principal, the client, the customer who may be a third party, and then you also have what is entitled a subagent. A lot of times people do not want, or I should say people, agents and brokers do not want subagents working for them. The mere reason is this. I'm going to go back and kind of get rid of the subagent. If if I allowed a subagent 
to work for me as they would be a, a sub-agent underneath me, if they do anything wrong, I become liable for their for their mess-up or their um, negligence. Therefore, we almost prefer that rather than you as another agent work as a sub-agent underneath me, I may not even know you or know your business practices, I would prefer that you just go out and enter into a buyer's agency agreement with your buyer so that now you are representing your buyer and if you make any mistakes or mess up you are responsible to your buyer and me and my agency and my seller or principal are not bound to you or any of your mess ups or negligence so you can have sub agencies some people still work as sub agents but I hope you understand now it can be a little bit dangerous because if if you allow someone to be a sub agent you are basically um, taking on liability for any types of errors or negligence that that sub agent could create so that's why it's sometimes best to just let them go and work for the buyer on their own. Remember who the client, the customer, the principal, very important for the exam. And then we come down and we talk about um, some, some different types of agencies relationships. Uh, we talked about a property manager and a good, t a good example of a property manager is what is called a general agent. So you want to remember that. It's also important, and you will probably see this on the exam, that real estate agents actually work as what are called special agents. It's for one specific act or transaction. For example, find me a ready, willing, and able buyer. If you're working as a buyer's agent, that would be another example of a special agent. And, of course, sometimes you you have general agents that may also be attorney in facts, as we notice from this first paragraph here, so kind of keep that in mind as well. A universal agent is is an example of where you actually are a full power of attorney. And normally those are court appointed. You can see that right here. But a universal agent is going to take care of almost everything for uh, the client. And uh, again, many times these are court appointed and um, you, will, you will see that on the exam occasionally. I have seen general agent, special agent. You probably will see those on the exam as well. And then we talk about expressed agencies and implied agencies. An expressed agency, as you can see, is, um, you know, would be an example of a listing agreement or a buyer's agency agreement. Uh, these need to be in writing to be legal in Missouri, and you're going to see that on the test. So make sure that you understand that anytime you have a listing agreement or a buyer's agreement in Missouri, it's an expressed agency needs to be in writing. An implied agency, on the other hand, actually 
comes through really an accidental manner. In other words, I'm out showing a buyer property. I never enter into any kind of an agency relationship with them, but yet I'm I'm telling them I'll take care of this. I'm pulling comparable properties. I'm giving them advice. I'm telling them how to negotiate. And I'm doing all of these things that appear as though I'm a buyer's agent when in essence I never went through the paperwork to have a buyer's agency agreement. I never enter, entered into that agreement with the buyer. And so now all of a sudden my actions indicate that I have um, become a buyer's agent. And so if the buyer felt like there was a problem down the road, they could maybe go to court and 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 uh, ask the court or explain to the court that they really thought you were their agent because of your actions, the things you did. And that's another name for that that you may see is what we call an ostensible agency. You know, on the surface, the agency appears uh, valid, but uh, um, because of your actions and the things that you did. So you want to be real careful, and those are implied agency agreements. We have a couple of examples for you in the book. Uh, I would know, you know, these, we've got the, the agency by ratification is important for you to know. It's also important for you to know what an estoppel is. And we have those in the flashcards as well. And then um, kind of make sure that you understand what this agency coupled with an interest is. An agency coupled with an interest is the last type of agency relationship that we look at in this chapter. And this is an example where the agent has contributed some type of interest to uh, the principal. For example, I'm I'm loaning you money to build this subdivision in exchange to get the uh, listings. You could not terminate that listing in that example because there's an agency coupled with an interest. So one item you might want to kind of remember. Now we, we go into, again, categorizing agency relationships. It's in your material about sub-agency. We've already talked about some of the uh, situations and problems that could happen there. A dual agency or a disclosed dual agency uh, is when you're representing both parties. You also need to understand how an agency can be terminated. We have all of the information listed for you in your material right here. Uh, if there's the death of the broker or the principal, uh, the listing's automatically terminated. There's not even any notice that's required. Now, what happens, and they love to have this on the exam, what happen if, happens if the salesperson dies? Well, doesn't matter. Remember, the listings are between the broker and the principal. So we, we hate it that the salesperson passed away, but that's not going to terminate the listing. Destruction, the property burns down, listing's terminated. Of course, when the listing expires, uh, the expiration, it's terminated. Both parties could mutually agree to terminate the listing. You could have a breach by one of the parties. If the broker moved away and didn't tell anybody, they abandoned um, 
their office and the area and believe it or not I've seen that actually happen in my in my community where a broker just picked up and left overnight no one knew where they went and they still had some active listings in the area well that would terminate the agency agreement court orders sometimes you have bankruptcies where the property is goes into the bankruptcy court to be sold yeah, that would terminate your listing agreement or if it's a condemnation suit for a highway or something like that and then naturally when you sell the property that's going to terminate the listing through fulfillment now we also have some information here about antitrust that you definitely want to make sure that you understand um, one thing I will point out you cannot uh, you cannot um, exclude brokers from specific market areas or um, you cannot talk about that everyone charges this commission rate or this percentage you always to conform to antitrust laws want to say I have no idea what anybody else charges I only know what my office charges so make sure that you uh, you know what antitrust laws are you cannot say to this broker you stay over on that street I'll stay over on this street uh, you can't prohibit markets you can't say you work with this price range customer and I'll work with this price range any of those are violations of the Sherman Antitrust Act or antitrust also you couldn't and you got to be careful about prohibiting certain brokers from joining a multiple listing service or a real estate board uh, you know providing unreasonable rule requirements those would could be violations of antitrust uh, we talk about the difference between an independent contractor and an employee you may see a question on the exam about that remember that as an employee you can require some of these certain requirements or obligations but as an independent contractor the agents gonna pay their own taxes work their own hours they're self-employed and uh, they could receive a few perks but generally speaking they are an independent contractor and then finally I just want to wrap up and remind you you will see questions on the exam about compensation you want to always remember commissions are negotiable what about between brokers they are negotiable who pays the salesperson their commission when it's earned their broker you will see that on the exam in fact I am going to put a little stamp right here and I'm going to put a big um, star right here because you are going to see these questions okay <laughs> make sure you know that commissions are always negotiable and who does an agent earn their commission or their fee from their broker will pay that so that kind of wraps up chapter 10 um, we've got some other information down here that you can take a look at that goes along with commissions but um, a lot of good information for you there will be a lot of questions from this chapter I would know it very well I would make sure you study your flashcards well and go through the questions
Good job on chapter 10. We are ready to move over to chapter 11.